This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the WOMED. Um, Jack and I are prepping for D.C. today, and we cannot wait to join Impact in Healthcare there to talk to our state representatives about workplace violence. This week has been so heavy and painful for so many around the world, and I think we need to take a few collective breaths together. What do you say, Jack? Yes, I completely agree. Okay. This week, we thought it would be really important to have Dr. Krupa Playforth back on the pod. You may remember her from last season, but she is one of our favorite pediatricians in real life and online with a wealth of resources for parents. With all the violence in the media and recent warnings for children and teens to delete TikTok and Instagram out of caution should they inadvertently see more death and destruction this week, we wanted to hold some space for parents on how to talk through tragedy with children. Dr. Playforth, we are so grateful to have you back on the WOMED this week. We would love that we are under better circumstances, um, but this is such an important topic, and Danielle and I feel really grateful to have you share your knowledge with us and with our WOMED listeners. Thank you so much for having me back. I think this has been a really tough week for parents. I can't imagine. I mean, like I, I was trying to think back and, you know, I, I feel like everyone my age and probably like a little bit younger remembers where they were on 9-11 when the first plane crashed into the World Trade Center. And I just remember being very in shock, being very confused, like it was on every TV. Like it was just like those repeated images that everyone was seeing. And it just feels like such a mix of shock and fear. And I don't really remember any teacher or my parents even being able to process it for themselves, let alone really be able to talk through it and and explain it to us and like what was going on. Yeah, I think it's really hard to find the words when things like that happen. Um, You know, I grew up outside of the U.S. in Malawi, in sub-Saharan Africa. And with the time difference, I learned about it right as we got home from school at 3.30. That impact and the shock of that event reverberated around the world. I mean, that same coverage was being shown in uh, sub-Saharan African country. Wow. Danielle, you said something that I think, you know, I just want to take a second to acknowledge before we kind of dive into this conversation that specifically is around how to talk to children about this, how to talk to teens. But it it feels even hard as adults to find the words to say, especially I think a lot of us in healthcare, you know, without getting too deep into the geopolitical context of this conflict, you know, I know at least I can speak for myself that I have lots of colleagues and students that are Arab or Palestinian. And then I have also lots of colleagues and close, close friends that are part of the Jewish community. And it's difficult. You know, I'm not trying to play a sympathy card because obviously there's much, diff- you know, much bigger things at play here. But it is a hard conversation even to have amongst adults and, and how to know what to say um, and how to stand up against violence, but also make sure that, you know, you're letting everyone know that you support them and that you are here for, you know, people that are experiencing um, much closer grief and trauma. So I'm really curious. I think I want to just open this up with my first question is, 
why is this so important to talk to kids about traumatic events? And like, why is this so important that we even talk to our children and include them? So, you know, I think as a parent, your instinct initially is to somehow protect their innocent eyes, ears, brain from any type of tragedy or brutality to pull back from saying anything. Um, but as I said in my post, uh, little ears are always listening. And sometimes we forget that, you know, it's not just us processing this, they are processing it. And when we're watching the news ourselves, we're talking to family, friends, even our partners, and we're expressing shock, horror, disbelief about what is happening, which are all completely appropriate things to, to be feeling, the children see and hear that. And then depending on their age and how much they're accessing the media themselves, it can be hard to contextualize what is happening. I mean, for an adult, like you said, I think it's very hard for us to contextualize because the geopolitical situation is complicated. And so how can we expect a child, our children, teens to to be able to not only process things that they you know, don't see, but then also in the context of this situation. Um, I think it's all a long way of saying as much as we may not want to share tragic information with our children, it is better for us to be the ones to do it so that we can help frame what's happening. I agree because home for, you know, for hopefully for, for most children is like the safe place that they can, they can be like their mom and dad are, are who they trust. And if they're, scared of what they're seeing in the media like they they need someone who can help kind of talk them through it and or at least just hold space and support for whatever they're feeling as well I like that you said that you know I think that as parents we also have this tendency to want to provide information in like almost neat packages like to have the right words and Mm -hmm. do things the right way to have all the answers and especially in this kind of situation like it's just not that simple I hate to ask, like, what age, because I know children are all very different and developmentally maybe very different. But how early do you think it's appropriate to start kind of talking to your kids about this, like what's going on right now? I think that tailoring what and how much you say to where they are developmentally is important. And like you said, there's a little bit of kind of a spectrum, but most children three and under are not going to have the capacity to really understand what is happening. Um, and they aren't necessarily even going to be getting that information from other places. Um, and so you can kind of curate and control a little bit what, what they're seeing. Um, Kids that are in school, especially age five and up, you know, they, they may be hearing things from other people and some of those words have meaning to them. And so I think that beginning around that age is, is appropriate and just recognizing that you don't have to share all the information, you know, like you can share it in ways that they can access without being overly graphic. Oh, this is just such like such a hard and like tender conversation, you know, thinking about kids like five and six year olds who are, you know, in school, learning to speak, learning to write, learning like more about the world around them. It just oh, I just can't imagine if they like walked in and saw certain images or, you know, picked up their parents phone and like saw something. Is there anything that you recommend to like parents during this time like 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 the preschool or like kindergartners yeah Yeah. 
it's actually something I've been thinking about a lot this week because I happen to have a kindergartner. Um, and, uh, I think it's important to be honest with them, but mm-hmm. you can be honest without being like sensationalist or graphic. Um, I think for preschoolers and kindergartners, you want to try to make sure they're not seeing any of that graphic content. Mm-hmm. Uh, preschoolers are very literal. They're very concrete and they don't always understand abstract concepts. So in many ways, any information you're giving them should be succinct. Focusing on the helpers, you know, keeping it simple and matter of fact, they're going Mm -hmm. to pick up on your reactions and your emotions. And it's okay to share that, you know, this is a heavy topic or a hard topic or that you're feeling sad about it. Um, But you don't necessarily have to go into details about why. Well, I was I was just thinking that this is going to be such a useful topic, too, especially for pediatric nurses and pediatric doctors as well in like if you're taking care of these kids who are in the hospital, the news is on, they're overhearing discussions at the nurse's desk, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like these are all like really important and helpful tips too because in those situations, your nurses and your care team is also someone that you hopefully see as like a safe place. You know, if your parents are at work and, you know, you're there for the night or and your family can't stay with you and you have you know, nurses are taking care of you. So I'm just wanted to acknowledge them in this conversation as well. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of times as adults, we're processing our our conversations are to process sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to forget, especially in like the the environment that you are describing that just because you're at the nurse's station doesn't mean that there aren't like little ears still able to hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine also being a parent and having a child in, you know, definitely, yes, preschool, but definitely that elementary school um, and preteen age where they are taking in so much more social media and probably hearing the opinions of so many other kids at school or even teachers at school. What are some tips that you recommend for parents with school age children? Like, do you give them any preventative advice? Like, hey, if, you know, if this has any, do you ask, hey, has this come up in school? Or, you know, what are your opinions on this? Like, I'm just curious, like, what are some of those questions that you would, you would prompt your kids with? I think elementary school is such a wide range and there's so much development that happens in maturity. You know, your six-year-olds are not the same as your 11-year-olds. Um, the younger ones are still concrete. They're still somewhat self-centered. And I don't mean that in a bad way. They're just, they're focused, the way they understand the world is ha- in how it relates to them, which is mm-hmm. developmentally appropriate. But, you know, many have older siblings or they hear things at school, like you said, um, and they come across information. I think starting with asking them what they know or what they've heard is, is never bad. Um, and children are also smarter than we give them credit for. Like we want them to know that they can come to us with even hard questions. Um, and that the adults in their lives will be honest with them, that they can trust what you're saying. So as tempting as it is to just kind of brush things under the, under the carpet, um, uh, it's important not to lie. But again, it's the same kind of thing. You can be judicious about exactly what you're saying. Um, I think for younger kids and even like throughout elementary school, um, 
because they a lot of times still have some difficulty with abstract thinking and they don't really understand that the media has incentive to be sensationalist, um, it's worth being careful about like what is on TV. News stations, this is like, I understand why that they repeat footage, right? Because different people are tuning in at different times, but they also have an incentive to be graphic and seeing something over and over can be really confusing for a young child because it can seem like some of these scary or tragic events are happening again and again. And this comes up not just in this context, but I see that this sometimes with school shootings too, mm-hmm. you know, um, like the same footage is shared over and over or the same t- headlines are shared over and over. Now, there are things that are still ongoing, but that doesn't mean that seeing the coverage in that way is really helpful. I would, I would agree with that. I feel like everything is, and, and maybe it's just the times that I, I've grown up in. I feel like everything is being posted now for that violence that like, mm-hmm that like wow shock factor shock factor yeah. yeah yeah and and i think that's even more so on instagram and like tiktok where these things can be freely uploaded by who's ever taking them and i i feel like personally like i've had a little bit of a like a pause in some of the content that's been shared by different like social media accounts that feel like they are more of like a news or like this is what's really going on type accounts but they're also sharing videos and images of these people's like darkest pain and there's no blurring of faces there's no like Mm -hmm. children you know it's yeah it's just children and bodies and it's just like i i i I struggle with I struggle with that because I'm like how yes like these if if people really want to know what's going on like this is what's actually happening and it is important to be witness yeah. to that mm-hmm. right but like you're sort of you have these two instincts right like it is important to be witness to that and to be supportive and to talk about these things but then also like you have this instinct Protective to like make your child feel like yeah they're like to protect your child and to protect yeah. what yeah well, not just what they're seeing, but protecting the people that are being like broadcast yes, around yes. the world. Mm-hmm. I'm having I've had difficulty finding words all week. Yeah, I'm curious with this ki- amount of control now that we've been talking about with social media making it much easier for kids to have access to videos and live streams. Right, like when we were growing up. Uh, our parents exist. were able to to censor sense like in a sense like what we saw based on if you wanted to turn on the tv and watch the news or not so it was much easier to censor what advice or if any advice can you give parents that know they're sending their kids off to school with their phones and their ipads and there's there's it's you know you can't censor as much as you can so what are some guidelines or some just ideas that you would recommend for parents i think that for tweens and teens who may have access to the media and the internet, it is important to, they, they are, it is important to converse with them and to explain, right? Because they're used to adults in their lives saying, oh, don't spend so much time on your phone. Don't spend so much time on the iPad. And this is different. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what you need to share with them that, you know, you want them to avoid some of this for very real reasons. Um, so you have to find the right time to talk about it. Um, the right time might be different for different kids in that age group, but it needs to be a time when you're not rushing to an activity or to school or when your child is in 
already exhausted physically, emotionally, you know, even letting them know ahead of time that you'd like to talk to them about what's happening, but giving them control about where or when. Um, mm, that's a good just, point. It's a way to give them some control when the world feels out of control. Um, but I also do recommend starting with what they know because they will have heard stuff and they will have seen stuff. And humans are not born naturally equipped with the knowledge of how to filter out sensationalist media or fake news. I mean, even adults struggle with that. Um, you're the safe grown up, so you can provide honest context and clarify any misconceptions that they may have heard or read. Um, I think it is important to be, again, honest. Um, and, and you may find with tweens and teens that they have more nuanced questions. You know, they want more specific answers. And it's okay to tell them that you don't know the answers. You know, don't pretend that you do. I think being honest about how complicated things are is a way to build trust and create an ongoing dialogue because it's not going to be like a one and done type conversation. Mm hmm. It even makes me wonder at what point do you want to start educating your your child and start having these conversations with, you know, reading books and watching documentaries and and trying to formulate, you know, their their own ideas and, you know, understanding history and how, like the complexities mm -hmm. of everything. And um, especially awareness. With this. Yeah. Awareness. Yeah, right. Of the, awareness. Of the world. Exactly. Yeah. I think, uh, you know. I have an eight-year-old as well. And so this question of like, when do you let them have access to media, which is a different question, um, but it's been on my mind. And some parents are just like, absolutely not, no social media, no phones. But I actually think that having some conversations, not, not about this necessarily, but at other times about other things, about the way that social media tries to manipulate you, that, that these algorithms are in place to be sensationalist, like having them understand like, how they're being manipulated, I think is actually helpful too, um, which is a different conversation, mm. but still related. Because if you lay that groundwork, then you can build upon that when something like this does happen. This question is kind of more geared towards, I think, how parents, sh like helpful tips for like how they can react to um, questions from teens. You know, I feel like the teen years are hard on everybody. Um, there's all these feelings, hormones, you're might be like starting to like challenge the authority and, you know, you're, you're really trying to find your space. And I feel, um, I, I mean, I would assume there's, you know, different family dynamics that might be a little bit more difficult and, and you're right, like asking these more nuanced questions, but maybe like how to not be like too defiant in like your own opinions, but like encouraging knowledge and open discussion. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and that's probably know. true of like a, a, an array of different things in the teen years, you know, like mm -hmm. you're trying to like create an openness. Um, I think it's just so much. It's so, it's so, it's a lot. And these topics are hard to talk about. Um, they're intense. They might bring up our fears or our traumas as adults and finding space to feel those things and support for ourselves, you know, validate our own emotions. Actually, it's teaching our children something, teaching teenagers something, right? That it's okay to make space for uncomfortable feelings. Um, Lisa Damore, who does a lot of writing about teenagers, often says that psychologists define mental health not as being happy all the time, but 
as having the right emotions for the context. Um, so you, this is almost an opportunity then for, for parents to model how to handle uncomfortable feelings, heavy feelings. Um, and that, that's another whole conversation that I think can be helpful, you know, finding a healthy way to cope um, and teaching our kids how to do that. I love that. I think that is just such a great perspective. It makes me think like it's yeah, it's you should let your kids see you cry mm-hmm. if you, you know, are watching the news and you're seeing this. It's okay, you know, you should want your kids to see you having an in-depth conversation with a partner about the complexities of how you're feeling. Um, you should let them see those emotions because you're modeling that behavior mm-hmm. and even, you know, let them see how you are purposely taking breaks from social media. Like, yes. okay, we're going to watch some news or we're going to, you know, go to the sources and, you know, read up maybe in the morning and then, hey, now it's time we're, we're stopping for the day. Uh, yeah. no, you know, we're going to stop on this for, t- for today. If you have any questions, I'm here for you. But that's that's such great advice, like model how it's okay to show emotion. Yeah, like recognize and, and recognize that providing support through these these tough things can look different as well. It's not just conversation, but it can be simpler, you know, spending a little more time together, cooking dinner together. I mean, reminding your kids that and yourself that you're not alone in dealing with this, um, that we're here for each other. I mean, that's the perspective that we are wanting our children to take into the world, right? Like that this perspective of unity Um, that was beautiful (laughs) that's it's hard and you know it's easier to talk about these things and to talk about like how one ought to do it and then when you're actually feeling it it's really tough to implement because Mm -hmm. no parent ever expects to have to have these conversations i think the other thing i just want to say that i think is important right now is that you know we want our kids to feel safe um, and I think providing some reminders that there are plans to keep them safe, recognize mm-hmm. that they're not going to necessarily tell you if they're not feeling safe or if they're feeling anxious or angry or scared. They might not just come out and say, okay, I'm feeling anxious about this. Um, you want to watch them for changes in how they interact with the world in the coming few weeks as well. Like if they're preoccupied with the events to the point where they're not doing what's normal for them, if they're not sleeping well, they're not eating well, they're being less social, you know, all those changes can be manifestations of deep seated feelings. And if if as a parent, you're noticing anything like that, you want to check in with them, but also reach out to your pediatrician to figure out what support options there are, what resources there are in your community, um, because we're all going to be carrying the impact of this, you know, and our kids are definitely going to as well. Oh, you are just the most wonderful guest I have on to, <laughs> to talk through this. And it has been such a joy just getting to... Um, to talk with you and and catch up with you and just for you to share this knowledge and and thoughtfulness and and trying to keep kids safe, have open discussions. And um, I just want to add to that, like, you know, for because I've had to do this for myself, too. Like, if you have to mute some accounts for a little while, if you need to take a break from social media, like, do it. It is that people are experiencing in Palestine and Israel is should not ever be normal day 
occurrences and no human is supposed to witness that amount of tragedy and be okay and just go about their day mm-hmm. so yeah don't setting feel like those you boundaries. have to yeah yeah um and it doesn't mean that you don't care or or mm-hmm. that you're you don't feel for the situation if you're like you know what I, I cannot consume any more media about this right now like that is you taking care of yourself and that is something that's important to model for your kids too like mm-hmm. we talked about yeah absolutely i've done that i think too. that's probably one one of the biggest takeaways is that it is so important that we stay, yes, aware and educated and try to help where we can, but it it has there has to be some sort of limit because if you if you get yourself to a point where you're consuming so much that it's debilitating and you're you're not going to be able to show up to the world as your best self and you're not going to be able to show the compassion that the world needs, you know, from you and And that maybe your kids need to see too. Like the last thing that I wanted to add was modeling, you know, maybe find some space to model compassion too. checking in on, you know, friends or community members or family members that are maybe more direct. If if they if you have any that are directly impacted or identify, you know, in either community to show compassion and and check in, I think is so important right now, too. We all want our kids to be good people. um, And. I think if we can achieve that, then hopefully that when this next generation is running things, you know, the world will look different. Um, and, but, and you're right, that, that starts with baby steps. Huge thank you to Dr. Krupa Playforth for joining us again on this Friday. Make sure to follow along with her on Instagram at the pediatrician mom and check out the wealth of resources available on her website, thepediatricianmom.com. Jack and I also wanted to share some links and resources that we have found to donate to Israel and Palestine. to first responders and the people on the ground trying to save as many lives as possible. Um, In Israel, you can donate to afmda.org. And you can also donate to israelrescue.org. In Palestine, there is the Palestinian Children's Relief Fund. And you can find that at www.pcrf.net. And um, also the Palestinian um, Red Crescent, which is their version of um, the Red Cross, and that is www.palestinercs.org. And we will link all of these in the show notes. We just want the help to get to the people that need it that are on the ground trying to save as many lives as possible. We are so grateful for everyone who has continued to tune in and share and review the podcast. Jack and I love you all so much. Please be safe, take space, turn off social media if you need, check in on your friends, and take care of yourselves this week. Womed, out. Out.